Hello everyone, welcome to another awesome podcast. Let me get untangled here. Today is doing a little something different. Well, not really different for the nature of the podcast because I'm out fishing today on the <clears throat> on the lake, taking advantage of all the, the downtime, but so is everyone else, so really <laughs> it's not exactly fishing since I think all the fish are caught or went on vacation as well. But if you hear a lot of beating and banging like this, that's just my kayak. And hopefully I finally catch something because it's been quite terrible, which is really odd for this time of year. In the spring, it should be pretty should be pretty good actually but maybe the fish caught the virus too perhaps maybe not but I think it's interesting with uh, fishing and travel because that's not something a lot of people talk about unless you specifically go to fish but that's something you need to think about or try if you can to incorporate into travel is hit some spots uh, when you're fishing. Unfortunately I do not do near enough because it does take time and if you're going to a place you know for a short trip a week trip it's not gonna unless you really want to to, to, to fish for one of those days or half a day even but uh, when you have a bit of an extended trip, what comes to mind is Australia. If you're out and about in Australia, take along a fishing pole because there are a lot of spots then as you're camping and going uh, through the bush, if that's your kind of trip, especially up north, you just have to be careful because nearly everything there can kill you, even the plants. And depends on what season you're in. but. If you're there in the wet season, uh, definitely have to look out for a lot of plants that pop up. When I was up near, uh, it's closer to Darwin, which is right at the very tip top of Australia, uh, where Australia makes the, the point up there at the Great Barrier Reef above its uh, Papua New Guinea. Uh, it was heavy, heavy rain because it was right in the middle of uh, the rainy season. But that was the time I was there, so all the hotels were <laughs> available. And unfortunately, the water was not because Australia has a problem now, not only with um, the, the bleaching of the coral reef and the dying of the Great Barrier Reef. And diving the Great Barrier Reef I would say it's not dying, I would say it's dead. Uh, the inner reef, it has like an inner and outer reef. The inner reef's completely gone and the outer reef is struggling at best. I went in the water, uh, it's the first time I've actually, actually sweated in the water without a wetsuit. Uh, I don't do well with wetsuits, but uh, without a wetsuit, diving, 30, 40 feet underwater and breaking a sweat, that's not good. And my 
uh, that's the highest my gauge has ever read. It was 92 degrees. And that's, uh, that's almost like, that's hot tub water. That's, and that's not a surface temperature, that's uh, you know, 30, 40 feet down. And a, a problem with that, let me maneuver around this guy's dock. All right. A problem with that, of course, the, uh, the reefs die and everything has to go deeper and you just, uh, it destroys everything. But what's been happening is the population of box jellies has just exponentially exploded. So uh, you forget even getting in the water. Now, when you're diving, you're, you're so far out that you shouldn't have to worry about box jellies. And if you don't know about the box jelly, it's, uh, it's a jellyfish that, like many other things, can kill, can kill, wait, what? That is a snake. Yes, it is. All right. Have a snake that is, it looks like it died in a net. No, that sucks. Yeah, this dock has a, like a bird net because birds crap all over everything and destroy your, uh, like if you have boats and seats and things like that, it, they will destroy everything. But, so they hung up this little net. It's like kind of chicken wire netting. And it seems like the snake has crawled up and through there and it doesn't make sense how it would have died unless it's just the skin. Let me get out of the sun here and see. Yeah, he's dead. Very odd. Huh. I, it's, yeah, I, I would think you could get around the net, but it definitely no one put it there because it's out uh, above the water, like 10 feet and it extends way out in the water. So it'd be too much trouble to, to hang a, a dead snake, but it's, it is tangled and called in the, the netting. Yeah, it's a water snake. Yeah, so the Australian box jelly, it will kill you uh, if it, you unfortunately make contact with it. And the season used to be two months, that uh, two months out of the year you, you shouldn't get in the water or you, you can't get in the water in Northern Australia. And this is the, the coast, the beach, uh, just like really close is where they will hang out. And if you just like dip your toe in the water, you can hit the tentacles of one. So they're, they're that close. But now because of the, the warming water in Northern Australia, they have a season of like six months. So six months out of the year, you can't even dip a toe into the, into the ocean. When you go out diving, they're not as, uh, <clears throat> They're not as uh, prevalent in the open water, but still during that season, you should wear a stinger suit. Just, uh, it's like some very light material, just something that will uh, protect your skin, almost like a, uh, just an exposure suit. Nothing, nothing th thick, like a sun shirt, uh, but it, we even wore gloves. Uh, head protection as well or, or around the face just just any spot of skin that 
if you unfortunately come across one, uh, just keep it off your skin because that is not a, a sting that you would want. And if a lot of people do survive from them, but you're usually heavily scarred or very susceptible to go into cardiac arrest. So anyway, yeah, those guys are out there six months out of the year. And one morning I was out walking the beach and run into a park ranger and he was doing surveys on how many, uh, like the concentration of box jellies. So he was out there getting his gear and I was talking to him He's, before he threw his cast net, which is like one of the oldest forms of fishing. A little more of that later. Not doing this one at a timing. Cast reel, cast reel. But um, he said, how many do you think I'll get in the first cast. I'm like, uh, I'm sure, yeah, I know they're in there and there's signs over every part of the beach warning, do not get in the water. Uh, I think, you know, maybe in five to 10 casts, you'll catch one, right? So it's out the first cast and you see nothing in the water. And this is only two foot of water. The whole net is just loaded with box jellies. So outside of the hotel, if you just go step in knee deep, like, hey, let's just, splash in the water a bit, you're dead. <laughs> that, that's how real Northern Australia is. So I mentioned that because if you are wanting to fish and I recommend it because it's uh, so many spots you'll get are just remote and unlike here because everyone is not at work or school and they all come to the park or the lake, uh, you'll find spots where fish are eager to bite a lure especially barramundi. If you're fishing in Australia, you'll go after the barramundi. It's all in all the waterways and it's a fun fish to catch. So I recommend packing uh, just a collapsible rod and reel. You can have some good times with that. But also with the box jelly, you have that death machine called the saltwater crocodile. And that guy, I will dub it my favorite land animal, if you do not know, is the Black Death, the Cape Buffalo in Africa. That's the guy that will run you over and stomp your brains out. But I think he's not a predator. He'll just do it, well, just to be, just to be ugly about it and for protection. I don't really know why walking, well, I'm sure you could, some Bushmen have definitely plunked them with arrows, but unless you have a safari rifle, I doubt you're wanting to take on one of those guys. But I would say the number one predator that I've come across that absolutely I think you have no chance against is the saltwater crocodile. Unlike if you have never dealt with them or been around them, it's nothing like, uh, now the, the Nile crocodiles in Africa, I've been around those. They are definitely nasty, super aggressive. But last week I was in Costa Rica, you have the, the caimans there, not really anything to worry about. And you also have crocodiles. They do get big enough to ruin your day, no doubt. But I don't, whoa, fish jumped in front of me. But uh, gators in America are 
pussycats compared to that just demented beast called saltwater crocodile. So when you're fishing, do not dip a toe in. <laughs> Be careful when you lean over the water's edge because I went with a guide and lost two cell phones because the guide nearly had the boat flipped by saltwater crocodiles. They're that aggressive. So he was, uh, he got us up on the bank a bit and got in the mud, lifted the motor, that is the outboard. So he just was lifting it up and had a pole to push off the bank. A saltwater crocodile come up, grabbed the pole, the bamboo pole, ripped it out of his hand, threw him down, and then was splashing. They, they were intentionally trying to sink our boat. So we're in this uh, little John boat, uh, it's like aluminum boat, uh, not really high sides. So they start splashing water up in the boat with their tails to sink it. So he's, you know, he's freaking out, forgets, you know, forget about the pole, let him keep it and puts the boat in reverse. Well, because so much water had been coming up just instantly over the back of the boat when he uh, threw the boat in reverse, it actually went down instead of up because it had so much weight in the back from the water. So <laughs> the boat just goes halfway underwater and my uh, phones, uh, luckily, well, because I was taking pictures, obviously, of something that chaotic and uh, yeah, the phones were in the bottom of the boat in the bag and not a dry bag, so I lost uh, two phones uh, because they got soaked and all my other wallet money gear, but that's, that's kind of getting off lightly compared to actually ending up in the water with those guys. And they, they snap like that. They go from zero to 100 instantly. They're absolutely unpredictable and are not to be messed with. So that's on those beautiful beaches. And if the box jellies don't get you, then there might be a salty swimming around the coast, but also the inlets are, are where they're gonna be in between that brackish water as those inlets <clears throat> go into the sea. So it might look like a calm, peaceful place to swim. Just, <laughs> just don't do it. Because it's, it's the wildest animal I've ever been around. And that's, you know, being around Cape Buffalo, bear. Uh, bear, bear are freaky too, but they're a bit, they're gonna be more timid than aggressive more times than not. But not the saltwater crocodile, he does not care. So the casting net. I said I'd get back to that. Fishing, this is uh, obviously what I'm doing is recreational fishing. If your life depended upon it, it's not a good way to try to survive because you're gonna expend more energy than you're bringing in. And that's quickly realized if you ever go out fishing with someone because if the fish are not biting, you're gonna be out in the sun, you're exposed. You're, well, if you're in a kayak, you're paddling around, but even being on a boat that's like the one that's passing me now, it's just gonna wear you out. You are absolutely exhausted by the time you get home. So whatever you bring home that day is, sometimes can be good and be sustainable, but uh, more times than not, and in, especially in survival situations, you need to be very cautious of how you expend your energy in getting food. So maybe, you know, tying something to, if you have a line and hook to a, like a tree limb and just leave it, that's a better option. But the, the casting net, 
was invented thousands of years ago by weaving vines together, making and putting, tying rocks to the end, and you can trap fish into smaller areas, throw out the net, and you have, instead of, you know, right now, the maximum I can do is one fish at a time, and I've been out here a couple hours and got nothing. So that's, uh, even if I did catch a fish, what's the point? Uh, I would just break even at best unless it's a huge fish. So the, the casting net is something that has been used in ancient societies. And this guy was using one in Australia, but the aboriginals in Australia have a even more efficient way than trapping and throwing a, a net, catching a bunch at a time. They just sit back and let the fish come to them. And they do that by a very ingenious way of taking uh, the bark off of a tree. I, I can't remember the tree exactly, the, the name, but they, it's like a soapy, I think they might even call it a soap tree because they use the, the uh, like the sap out of the tree like a soap and for detergent. But also that, uh, that sap dissipates oxygen in water. So they break up a bunch of those branches and grind them up and place them in a water like a water hole and just sit back wait then as the oxygen gets lower and lower in the water the fish start to come up they've expended literally no energy other than just breaking a few branches and then they got a whole mess of fish much more efficient way of surviving getting fish and eating and doing very little work not like I'm doing, just messing around really. So that's some ancient knowledge that in Australia that you're just not going to know about unless you have direct Aboriginal knowledge. But I, I thought that's pretty cool to, to see how they do that and how other societies catch fish, usually by nets, working with the tides, setting traps. So older fishermen trap more than they actually catch. So this modern concept of what I'm doing is just recreational. So it's fun, but can be low yielding. But thankfully I can go home and open the refrigerator and not have to worry about it. If I did, I wouldn't be doing it this way. I'll tell you that. It's more of an excuse just to get out of the house. And because I'm talking to you guys, I'm crashing into a duck. All right. So did I convince you enough to look into fishing while you're traveling? Maybe not, but really in Australia, take a packable fishing pole because it can really be fun. And if, if you're on a camping trip, uh, give you something to do as well while you're at camp. But what if you want to get out in the water? I wouldn't recommend in a kayak. If there were saltwater crocodiles, no. When I was in the, I was in the Kalahari and you have the Okavango Delta, which is uh, on the border of the Kalahari and a lot of 
No crocodiles there. Come on. And uh, the story going around that had just happened, uh, it was a doctor there visiting with his wife. I think he had done maybe some charity tour there, or whatever they do. Uh, and he went out with a guide. He was in the middle, guide in the back, wife in the front. So the story is, uh, crocodile come up and pulled him out and they never even saw him come up or uh, the crocodile never even let him up. He was out and dead that quick. So being in a kayak with saltwater crocodiles would be very high risk. You, you would have no protection against them. You need to be much higher out of the water because they can actually get up on their tail and propel up and one that's you know, 14 feet, you do the math. Being six inches off the water in a kayak is pointless. But if you wanted to take a kayak into areas that do not have them, of course you can't fly with a kayak, but if you have never looked into pack rafting, that is the way to go. Pack rafts are uh, uh, like PVC, uh, well not lined, it is a, the whole kayak is PVC and you inflate it. So whenever you want to go out on the water and they have some now that are just phenomenal. So if you want to even backpacking, you can put one on top of your pack. When you get to a river or something, you want to go down the river, even do some white water, blow it up and have at it. On a lake, you need to cross the lake. Very easy. And they, they make them now, they're super light, super durable, but they are expensive. It's going to cost you the same as a normal uh, kayak, like a hard kayak like this one. So it's not going to be any cheaper, but the, the lighter and better you get them, obviously the more they're going to be, but that would be something that I, I really want to look into and possibly incorporate into a trip is to have along a pack wrap. If you had the collapsible pole, that might be the way to go on a future Alaskan trip. So stay tuned for that. Our trip to the Maldives was canceled and that was going to be the big news for the upcoming podcast uh, this week or actually next week. But unfortunately it got canceled so now I'm fighting with the airline companies who are basically giving all consumers the middle finger especially after they got their nice bell out. Uh, they are not refunding ticket price or refunding uh, tickets, even though it is law that they do that. If it is canceled for any reason in the United States, Europe, they have to give you a refund if they they cancel for any reason, and that's uh, DOT regulation. But they are not. So uh, what they're trying to do is force us into a a uh, voucher that I do not want to take and am not legally obligated to take. So we will see what will happen with that. And I'll have more to say about that, I guess, when it uh, gets a little deeper and I figure out what's going to happen. A lot of people suspected once they were told that they would get relief money that they would loosen up the funds and give uh, Give, give you know, rightfully give the people their money back, but no, they're gonna play hardball. So 
I know a lot of things are crazy right now, but to, one thing, by holding the money, they are collecting the interest off all the money they are holding. So they're getting free, uh, free loans, free loans. They're not flying, okay. Well, unless they're punished for this, uh, they, this would be a great tragedy to, uh, to the consumer. And hopefully the right thing gets done. And if they do not give the money back, uh, I, I, it's mind boggling to me that they would even consider giving them a bailout when they're screwing over consumers like this. But something in this podcast is something I don't want to get into is politics. I mean, it's not. I, well, yeah, there's the debate politics and business. It's all the same. Money talks. So caring about the, the people protecting them, even though it's written in the law uh, four times like this. Nope. Tell you to suck it. So. I will try my best to tell them to suck it. To, so I, I'm actually calling the, the DOT. When I get done with this pathetic fishing adventure and log some complaints. Also against, uh, I guess I have to do it against, it's Qatar Airways and then I'm doing it against Expedia as well. Cause it's, you know, they're kind of doing the blame game back and forth. So. They're, they're both guilty. It's like, who's who's holding the money? So, but they are both legally obligated. So we'll see how much the law means. I know what it would mean if I was withholding their money. They'd get it in, <laughs> they'd get it that day. And I'd be fined and have a gun. Well, yeah, it's like, don't give the government their money, right? Taxes. See what happens. Say, well, I'm withholding it. Uh, yeah. Yep, yep. So I'll make this one the last cast. Because the sun has come out. It's 80 degrees. It's beautiful. So no need to complain. But thanks for listening. And hopefully this virus loosens up. Because not only is it... People are definitely not staying home like myself, but they are out at the lake fishing, but you really can't can't blame them because I would, would think there's no problem for spreading it at all anyway, being out on the lake. I mean, you're not within 200 yards of people. So it's not really a big deal, but... Uh, yeah, I'm rambling right now, so I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time.